0: 15 minutes of fascism a well a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right i'm craig johnson holy shit what a day what a week so if you haven't been paying attention there was a coup a putsch yesterday in the united states uh you should go elsewhere for the blow by blow uh this podcast is about analysis that's what i'm going to be doing this week um to start off with let's talk about some definitions a coup is an attempt to seize control of government. A putsch is an attempt to overthrow a government. Uh, arguably what we saw yesterday could be defined as either one of those, and you know, the, the categories bleed into each other a little bit. Um, the main salient differences being that in a coup, usually there is an entity that claims that it is going to be seizing power, um, whereas a putsch is more just like an effort to stop the government from existing. Maybe that's a little bit more of an accurate word to use, and it also, interestingly, lets us use a very useful historical comparison, the Beer Hall Putsch. Now, the Beer Hall Putsch was a series of events from the 8th to the 9th of November 1923. It was the first big Nazi paramilitary action uh, in which they attempted to take over the city of Munich, a very large and important city in southern Germany. This was the first big press event for Adolf Hitler. Uh, They attempted to take control of the city government, but clearly the writing was on the wall that they had totally failed to do so by the morning of the 9th. And so many of the Nazis fleed, uh, and many of them were subsequently arrested, including Adolf Hitler, who was then imprisoned, and it was that prison term that resulted in the writing and publication of Mein Kampf. Now, Hitler actually dictated Mein Kampf, but you know, it's his words, it's his idea. Now, this is a clear comparison. The Beer Hall Putsch was a failure that inspired future opportunities for fascists around the world. That's the thing we have to keep in mind in terms of what happened January 6th, 2021. And just as a mea culpa, I'm recording this the evening of the 7th, so if any fascism happens between now and whenever you're hearing this, uh, my apologies, I'll cover it in a later episode. So let's start with who. Who was involved? in this coup on the 6th now the short answer is fascists uh, the usual suspects were out there on capitol hill and invading the capitol building we have QAnon conspiracy theorists uh, we have the proud boys the largest and most powerful fascist organization in the united states today uh, there are even reports that their former leader and founder gavin mcginnis was there although he publicly claims that he wasn't there's clearly on twitter and on a bunch of other sites Uh, Pictures, images of at least somebody who looks a whole lot like him uh, at the rally, even seeming to be giving orders to people who are known higher ups in the National Proud Boys organization. Uh, McGuinness's presence would be very interesting uh, and very telling, especially because the current president of the Proud Boys, Enrique Artario, uh, was already in jail for arson. He was, he was uh, arrested upon arrival in D.C. Uh, for his involvement in the last series of uh, right-wing activities in Washington, D.C. in late December. Others present at the uh, events on the Capitol building include three percenters, a bunch of other militia types, uh, your standard array of white nationalists including people you know flying confederate flags people flying don't tread on me flags uh that sort of crap right these are the people that you can expect to be attending a rally such as this additionally involved in you know in the who section of this um, are a lot of gop leaders who were seemingly in favor of the attack including senator holly of missouri who is seen giving a like supportive power fist sign in front of the crowd and newly elected Representative Green of Georgia, who has just been tweeting up a storm, talking about how it's great that uh, supporters of hers and supporters of Trump, you know, invaded the Capitol building. Trump, of course, is a major player here as well, Uh, unlike in previous alt-right rallies over the last several months. Trump was actually present at the beginning of this one. He arguably incited the events of Wednesday by... Calling for people to you know take matters into their own hands that you know the government house was theirs. Um, Key Trump allies and spokespersons like Rudy Giuliani uh, actually called for quote a trial by combat to determine who would be leading the United States in the future. I mean, I mean this is just like nonsense textbook fascist shit. Um, It's really incredible. So that was who. Let's talk about what happened. And like I said, you should go somewhere else for a comprehensive blow by blow of exactly what happened minute by minute. I'm talking about what happened on an analytical level. Now, this wasn't just a riot. It wasn't a protest. It wasn't a demonstration. It was a putsch. We have a fascist militia and mob trying to enter the chambers of Congress while it was verifying the election of the new president. This was an intentional use of violence to prevent the democratic transfer of power in a republic. Now, the fact that the people who invaded the Capitol building did not actually kill anybody is not an indication that they were not using violence. Uh, Several police officers and other law enforcement personnel were injured in the process of defending the Capitol building from these fascists. Uh, A lot of them were found with IEDs, that is, uh, improvised explosive devices, Uh, There were cases of Molotov cocktails found or the ingredients of them found on people. Uh, People entered the Capitol building with police zip ties, apparently, you know, to take hostages. Um, Some of them seemingly had guns and other arms. This means that at least some of the people who attended these rallies and then entered the Capitol building were planning to kill or kidnap probably members of Congress or members of their staff Or other people involved in the government of the United States? Now, it's a little bit facile to point out, you know, like, oh, you know, it's Blue Lives Matter people and they're like injuring police. Like, of course they are. They're fascists. Uh, They're actually interested in power uh, and they want a nationalist reorganization of the United States and its political system. As for casualties for the event, there were several injuries, uh, as I said earlier. Uh, So far, only four confirmed deaths, uh, as far as I can tell. One person shot by Capitol Police, and others died from apparently unrelated medical emergencies. So that's what the fascists were doing. They were invading the Capitol building in order to prevent the democratic transfer of power. What about the other players involved here? The other main player in the, like, you know, play-by-play events of the actual taking of the building is the Capitol Hill Police and the National Guard. Now, the Capitol Hill Police responded to this threat in a comically unprepared fashion, like just just, just inconceivably bad. Uh, if you've ever attended any kind of protest at all in your entire life, uh, it seems as if the level of attention to detail and preparation and preventing these people from invading the halls of Congress uh, was very minimal. Now, that's not to say that the police should have more power or should have been more violent in their response, but rather to note that their degree of preparation raises a lot of questions about their involvement in Wednesday's events. Were they just systematically incapable of understanding the threat posed by the all right, by the extreme right, despite like literal months of warning and open discussion on many forums and a lot of write-ups that you can just like google about all of this shit that they were planning to do that wouldn't necessarily be surprising it's pretty normal for conservatives and for the military part of the state in general to underestimate the actual threat posed by fascists um, because they disproportionately associate the left and also uh, the leftist demands of people of color with threats to the state were they just systematically underprepared so that it would look like incompetence, rather than the kind of cooperation that we know to happen a lot between the cops and fascists? Or were they intentionally cooperating? Uh, There are some reports of Capitol Police actually just sort of letting the fascists into the Capitol building. Uh, The fascists themselves even brag about it openly uh, on a lot of their live streams, videos, and other documentation that they provided in like just literal real time of their invasion of the Capitol building. Other evidence of some more nefarious shit like that uh, is that the Department of Defense wasted, like, potentially precious hours refusing to send in the National Guard to defend the Capitol building. And by potentially precious hours, I mean, like, literally, like, what if there were some people still left in the building? What if there were congresspersons who weren't able to get out? And the Department of Defense said, no, we're not going to send in the National Guard to protect congresspeople or to protect, like the computers where congress people do their work where there's you know sensitive national security information and shit like that i mean it, it it's uncanny this combined with the recent swath of uh, departures from the department of defense and they're being replaced by temporary you know trump surrogates well it's not exactly a smoking gun but it is an indicator that it's possible like i would not be surprised if there were some nefarious conversations had at some level and we'll talk a little bit more about that later Ultimately, the National Guard was sent in and is still operating in D.C. and will be throughout the period between now and Inauguration Day on January 20th, Um, but they ended up being sent in by Pence and Pelosi and the governor of Virginia, a clear failure of Trump appointees to control actual fascists. So I talked about who, I talked about what, let's talk about why. This is the real pernicious question here, and I want to try to avoid jumping into conspiracy theories and instead think critically about what might be happening, things that we might learn, information that will tell us important pieces of this puzzle. Essentially, the big question is, what was the plan and who had the plan? When Trump and his kids and Giuliani and all of them were promoting violence throughout the last months and also on the day of the actual coup, Were they trying to do a coup? Was this the plan? Did they actually want people to invade the halls of Congress? Or were they just trying to scare the Democrats or to scare moderate Republicans or to shore up their base for some later run by Trump or Ivanka or somebody like that? How much collusion, if any, was there between the admin and the fascists who did the actual violence? we'll get a lot of that stuff in the decades to come if records haven't been destroyed. Uh, But ultimately, that's going to be the work of historians combing through documents, combing through messages, combing through text threads, trying to figure out exactly what the idea was here. Personally, I would be astonished if it was Trump's actual plan to use fascist violence in order to stop Joe Biden's election from going through. Now, that's not because Trump hasn't used fascist violence in order to promote his ideology before. It's just because if that was the plan, it was executed really stupidly. Um, it wasn't as if the fascists were like prepared to take and hold the halls of Congress or anything like that. It wasn't as if Trump was aiding and abetting them while they were doing it. You know, he incited the riot, but he's, you know, he's got some like plausible deniability here was the hope that there would be more violence and that it would just you know spark a generalized insurrection was the hope that there would be more violence and so the left would get involved and so they could more easily blame it on the left as opposed to this like total nonsense trying to turn around and say that it was anti-fascists pretending to be fascist doing fascist things that invaded the capitalism is mean, total nonsense on thursday uh trump actually sort of conceded that this uh, invasion was a bad idea and that the fascist violence scene on the Capitol was uh, deplorable. Uh, He even conceded Joe Biden's victory in the election, but he also hedged. So while he said that the coup was bad, he said that the quote work of his supporters would continue. Uh, Exactly what does this hedge mean if not that the fascists who attempted this coup, the fascists who did it, uh, need to continue to be violent and need to continue to assault government buildings and to try to kidnap or kill government officials. I mean, I mean, this is pretty much the only thing you could possibly mean, right? But what about the fascists themselves? As I've said many, many times throughout the lifespan of this podcast, we need to differentiate the goals of people who are fundamentally just sort of conservative power holders like Trump and fascists who have real fully transformative visions for how society should be run. You know, people who are like, Real true believer white nationalists, people who are real true believer Christian nationalists, um, people who really want democracy to stop existing, uh, as opposed to people who are interested in power and will take it however they can, like Trump, for example. Were the fascists intentionally doing something that would fail in order to spark unrest or to show power? Or was this an example of an, a delusional failure? Like, did they actually think that they were going to be able to hold the halls of Congress or that they would spark, a, you know, a wave of taking of state capitals throughout the country? Um, there were attempts at taking some other state capitals, so uh, it, it's not a completely crazy idea. So was this an intentional show of power, knowing that they would fail but that they might succeed later? Or was it a delusional failure, as in the case of the Beer Hall Putsch that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode? What was their strategic plan, or did they have one? Was there a strategic plan held by the Proud Boys that that, the militia types didn't agree with? Um, Is this an example of differences amongst the factions of the fascists? Unfortunately, this all happened like 24 hours ago, so we don't have clear answers to all of these things uh you got to buckle in i guess this is going to be what this podcast is about in large part at least for a while as we figure all of this shit out so that's who that's what that's why let's talk a little bit about the future we know based on history and what they're openly saying both online and in person uh that the fascists consider the actions of Wednesday to be a victory and currently they should Uh, They took the Capitol building with few losses and relatively few consequences so far, although arrests are piling up. This was a setback for some particular organizers, and also a setback for the Trump administration, because it means the end of their formal efforts to try to stop the inauguration of Joe Biden, president-elect. So some of the organizers will go to jail, Trump will lose office. um, But what about for the fascist movement itself? For fascism per se in the United States and globally this is a massive unequivocal step forward they were able to take over the hall of government itself they physically threatened the lives of hundreds of members of congress and also the vice president of the united states this will be tried again Both in D.C., January 20th itself, they've been clear about how they're going to have more manifestations in D.C., especially in and around the inauguration, but it's also going to be tried elsewhere in state houses, state houses that have in fact already seen armed fascists attempt to invade them, namely we're talking about Michigan, in city halls uh, and all levels of government and society. This is fascists learning that when they deploy street-level violence, they can overtake their goals. They can actually achieve things. And they're going to use that lesson in the future as they continue to build and grow their movement. And if we want to stop them, we have to A, understand that that's what they're doing, and B, learn the lessons from Wednesday. Fascists cannot be allowed to take the street, to take public space, to take halls of government in the way that they did on Wednesday because they will learn from that that they have at least the tacit support of the state of the police and of the people in general and I sincerely hope that they will eventually learn that that is not true uh, that the people are not on their side and that we are trying to stop them Alright, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. And I will talk to you next week.